Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 in Nicollet in Burnsville. Mm-hmm. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite league, the NBA. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, and Stitcher. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the X's and O's of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Speaks Softly, carries a big stick Groshong, the producer of the show. And seated to my left is none other than Rob Making It Rain Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. First quarter tonight, we look back at the games that were in preview the week ahead for both the Wolves and the Iowa Wolves. Eric Pincus joins us to end the quarter to talk about all things NBA and the NBA salary cap. The NBA has the NBA trade deadline has come and gone. And in the second quarter this week, not only will we discuss the Wolves moves or lack thereof, but we will look around the league and discuss the flurry of moves. We will also talk other NBA and WNBA topics. Knock, knock. Who's there? Howl. Howl who? Howl great it is that we still have four quarters left. It's time for the Howl. Quarter one of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is where we review the Wolves week that was and take a look ahead with our preview of the quarter. So three games that we're going to discuss from this last week, two to look ahead to, or sorry, three to look at. Whoa, whoa. Nope. Two to look ahead to my bad. I forgot about all-star Getting weekend excited there. over there. Yeah, I got super excited. So the first game wolves take on the Cleveland Cavaliers at the quick and loans arena. This was a interesting game for the Timberwolves. I think all of us. Yeah. Interesting. It was, I mean, it was, it was hurtful, but it was at least a close game. It was a fun game to watch. Hurtful, like a bad breakup, man. It hurt really bad. It hurt really bad. It I tell really you what, bad. I want to say 
I was kind of texting. I called Rob. Rob actually had to record the game because he was busy, had some other business obligations he had to attend to. I had said, you know what? You were about to watch the most exciting game of the season. I didn't want to spoil the end for him. It did end badly. But that up, I was until, up till, by the way, I was up till almost 1.30 a.m. finishing that game. What a waste of time that was. <laughs> if it hadn't been for a loss, that was the most exciting game of the season for the Wolves. Um, but it was de- there was no defense. Um, the fact that we gave up 140 points, that has to be addressed at some point. I actually kind of, uh, due to the heartbreak, went and did some uh, Twitter raging and was putting tweets out that said things like, can Thibs ever hang his hat on a defensive rack again? Because I haven't seen the defense. We're a year and a half in, and I'm not seeing that Thibodeau style of defense, that defense that he has hung his hat on his entire career. Well, um, here's my biggest problem with this game. Cool. You have the ball tie game with 24 seconds left. Why would you not use all 24? What bugs you about this especially is because how many times have the Wolves Drowned out of possession with dribbling. The one time we need him to do that and they can't do it. Well, I, I thought you were going to address the fact that when Cleveland was inbounding it, you have Carl Towns guarding the inbounder. Oh, yes. Yeah, where, I forgot about this. Where, yes, yes. Where LeBron James should have been bracketed. If, if somebody's not familiar with bracketed coverage, it's in like the NFL. You have a guy on short uh, underside and overneath. So it's basically you have to throw in this little pocket in between. You put Carl Anthony towns in front of LeBron James, you put Jimmy behind him. So that inbounder would literally have to throw it above and out of the, the side to side reach of Carl Anthony towns, which is about 20 feet side to side when it all boils down to it. They don't do that. Instead they have towns, Gibson and Teague all about 70 feet away from the, the rim and give Jimmy put Jimmy on an Island uh, against LeBron. What did you want from him? And, and let this be known buckets. Jimmy buckets is like a few inches away from blocking that shot. That's great effort, but that's more effort. That, like you can't ask that from a guy. And part of the problem you run into with Butler, number one, LeBron does push off a little bit. Not that it should have been a foul called, but he does create that separation. But on top of that, he's fading away and he's already got a height advantage. So every advantage he could possibly get in that scenario, he did end up getting. And and it's it's frustrating because you have two guys that are being covered in the backcourt. All these things that you mentioned, I mean. It shouldn't be that hard to double LeBron. It's too bad. I mean, Jimmy has a fantastic game, literally goes toe to toe with LeBron, takes his first loss in nine tries against LeBron. Teague finishes with 15 assists. All that added together. It's a Wolves loss. Yep, yep. Nothing more we to say. On. Let's talk about the Bulls game. Another game that just angered me. 100%. This was this was Jimmy. And Taj's revenge game. This was especially Jimmy. I don't even know if it's game. a revenge game. It's In the just... end, it was a Zach Levine revenge game. It one hundred. Yeah, this. I mean, this was this was a game. You know, I went on the Locked On Bulls show uh, and talked with Jordan about this game specifically, and I I said right off the bat, and it kind of took him by surprise. The Wolves have trouble with bad team non-playoff teams in in the NBA in general, well, but, but especially in the East. Yeah, the East, and sure. especially on the road, and. You know, he was kind of surprised by that. And this, I mean, this shows it right here. The Wolves have every opportunity to win this game. They should have won this game. It should not have been close. And what do they do? They go and lose on the road. By the way, though, so shout out to uh, to Doogie for posting this. That last two minute report, 
for anyone that hasn't seen that for that game, the Wolves got now granted shouldn't have come down to this. I get that. Wolves got absolutely screwed. If you read the last two minute report, number one, Tyus Jones got fouled earlier. Uh, not, not right at the end, but a little earlier should have gotten two free throws there. It would have made it a five point game. Cause Tyus doesn't miss free throws, but let's say that doesn't happen. So they missed that call. That's fine. Go back and watch the Zach Levine play where he gets fouled clearly travels. It's and it's clear as day on the three point shot. Yeah. Right. When he gets the ball, he moves both his feet before he takes a dribble. And it's clear as day when you go back and watch it. Well, in about that play, Rob, did Jimmy even touch him? So here's the thing. I've watched replay. I can't see where he touched him, but Jimmy flat out said I for sure touched him. So I think I just missed it when I watched the replays there because he said no questions asked. He touched him. Or is it or is it him just? Was it him saying it or was it his body language saying it? No, no he he flat out said he followed him. Wow. I'd, uh, that's unbelievable because I didn't see a thing. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just should have come down to that. It, it should have come down to that. It just me when the ref on the opposite side of the court is the one making the call. When you're the ref Agreed. the furthest away in a key moment such as that, and it's minuscule contact at best where – us watching on instant replays, and I'm not, this isn't a bias. I literally cannot see him being touched by Butler. You know who you want in that game as the referee is uh, uh, Ed, uh, Ed, uh, Ed, Malloy? Ed Malloy. Your guy? That's what you want because you know he's not calling it, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know, guys. It, this is a bummer because you, you ruined this opportunity for Butler. I think this creates a bit of tension on this team because you've had two back-to-back losses you have now the kings coming home and you're going to play them we end up winning this game 111 106 the box score will tell you yeah the wolves won and it looks like it could have been a fair win but it really wasn't we trailed for most of this game closer we than did, it should have been we did not play well at all the kings have nobody outside of De'Aaron fox who, Buddy Hill's a good player yeah, but he is so they ineffective. Any, they don't have any Bogdan Bogdanovich? Bogdan Bogdanovich is a solid young player. Oh, man. Okay. But again, these I'll are young you players. That. It shouldn't be a close game. Totally. 100%. So, Bogdan, fantastic form. I think he's got great potential. He could be really Willie good. Willie Cauley-Stein gets together. This team, two, three years down the road, they could be looking good. Right now, the fact that they were down six in the first quarter, we've been playing excellent at home. We should have mopped the floor with them. Costa Cufas always has a way of finding a way to beat us. I'm like worried. Play well. Because now, as we go in and preview these games coming up, we have the Rockets on the home court uh, Tuesday. What's going to happen there? Yeah. We, but to be fair, we've won, what, is it 13 in a row now? 13 in a row at home. So, and but it's against the West. We're good at home, and we're great against the West. You're so, going to see the Rockets twice in the next 10 days, essentially, because we play them in Houston on the 23rd, we're not playing good. I'm worried. This could be a laugher. They shot so many threes against us last time we played them in Houston. I'm worried that they're going to get up like 45 shots from downtown. You and know, they could, they could easily make like 30 to 33 of those. I on mean. the flip side, some bit of positivity. I will say this. If the wolves can show me one ounce that they have learned a lesson on how to guard the perimeter. If Thibs can can somehow redeem himself and keep the Rockets from not scoring like 120 points, I need to see some life from this team. I agree. I haven't seen it in a couple games. I want to see them get after it. If they can win this game, 
it would be huge because you got the Lakers on Flips Night coming up, which is which is huge. And and we get into that um, shortly here with Eric Pincus. And we play the Rockets again. So this is a, gr- a great opportunity to gain some momentum if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves. Before we move on to Eric Pickens, let me just point out, we always tend to cover at least a little bit the Iowa Wolves. I don't want to get too much, touch too much on them. They have lost the last three games. Um, so they've definitely struggled a little bit recently. But a little bit of Iowa Wolves news is that just over this week, uh, our three our two two-way players, so Anthony Brown, Emil Jefferson, and then Justin Patton, uh, during a, kind of a break in the schedule, they will be coming up uh, to practice with the team. So that's something to look forward to. They get a little bit of extra practice. And Tom Thibodeau, uh, in his interview uh, today, he did mention that Justin Patton, part of the reason they've left him down there is they want him to be fully healthy, but at the same time, they like him down there as well because he's getting more, all those minutes. And he is on a minutes restriction too currently, yep. I heard. So, mm-hmm. All right, so before we get into quarter two, uh, Rob, you and Aaron sat down with Aaron with uh, Eric Pincus, correct? Yep. Aaron, Aaron set up an interview with Eric Pincus. He was gracious enough to be able to jump on, talk Lakers, top the upcoming matchup. It's it's good stuff. Let's uh, let's get into that interview here and then uh, we'll get into the second quarter. First quarter of the Howl. We are here. We're joined live by Eric Pincus. Uh, he is on the Hollywood Hoops show here on Nothing But Net channel on dash radio eric welcome to the show how you doing tonight oh doing great thanks for having me on here excellent excellent um as as a guy who's covering the lakers on a regular basis you're out there um i want to get into obviously the big news we haven't had a chance to discuss it on the show yet but really the trade of trade deadline is the Cavs sending Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry to your squad and really the ripple effect that that created for the rest of the day. And I think what most takeaway is, is now the Lakers have so much cap space available. And I know you're a, a, a guy who specializes in this area. Can you mind it, taking a moment here and, and let's dive into what you take away from this and what it means for your Los Angeles Lakers. Well, uh, going back to August, I was told, uh, you know, talking to the team and different people and whatnot, that they felt confident they could move Jordan Clarkson uh, before when the time was right, when they felt like they needed to. And that also they felt like they could get a first rounder for him. So it's interesting to me because there's been a lot of skepticism, a lot of doubt. And I talked to a lot of people around the league and I, there, there was kind of a mixed market. There didn't seem like a ton of people crazy about investing in, in Jordan Clarkson just based on his contract. It's not bad. It's a couple of years, 12,500 ish um, a year. I'm mean, 12 million rather. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, yeah, right, maybe that'd be a bargain, but 12.5 yep. roughly. And so, um, I, I, I know the guy well, I've, I've, been around him for a long time. And I, I see the kind of value he could bring to a team. Lakers believed in him, but they have bigger plans. And so, uh, they move off Jordan Clarkson. The, the price was Larry Nance, someone who they really valued and, and thought really highly of. So, uh, but they get a first rounder back, just like they said that they, they believe they could, and they move that contract. So not only do they, they get the Cavs pick, um, it's a 2018 pick, right? So it's this, uh, this June, it basically they're reset. So there's, they can trade any pick. They can trade their Cavs pick. They can trade their 2019 pick, like 2020. There's no more restrictions. So the Lakers had some limitations because they owe their pick 
uh, originally to, gosh, the, to the Suns, was traded to the Sixers, was traded to the Celtics. So it could go to still Philadelphia or Boston, but regardless, Lakers don't get their own pick. But long-term, the Lakers have more flexibility. And, and if you actually listen to the press conference after uh, with Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson, I mean, they said the word flexibility maybe 15 times before they ever mentioned Isaiah Thomas, who's like a freaking all-star <laughs> MVP candidate last year, which was, so it kind of puts you, uh, it kind of gives you an idea because we, we could certainly talk the like what the Lakers are going to look like the rest of the season. And I, to me, that's, you know, interesting. And, and I look at Isaiah Thomas as maybe a plan B or a plan C for this team if their, their big dreams don't come true, but ultimately they've opened up enough space to right now, they have enough room to go after if they wanted Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins. obviously cousins is hurt, but let's say those were the two guys, they could pay them outright. It would cost them Julius Randle and, and KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope and Brooke Lopez, et cetera. Uh, they'd have to renounce the rights to those guys. But that said, they have the money right now to go get that. Now, if they want LeBron and Paul George, at that point, they're a little short, so they'd have to stretch out the contract of, of Lul Dang or maybe trade the contract of Lul Dang, maybe throw some picks to get rid of it uh, or just stretch them out. There's all kinds of mechanisms they can use, but they can easily get on their discretion to the money needed to go ahead and make this big monster move, which is all they wanted in the first place. So we'll see now. It's like they, did, they get an A-plus for achieving their goal, right? But... Breaking down yeah. a team is one thing. <laughs> Building it back up is another. If those guys say no, then you basically dump D'Angelo Russell, you dumped Larry Nance Jr., you dump Jordan Clarkson to what purpose? And you know, we could say, oh, well, they got Kyle Kuzma back partially from that trade. They got Brooke Lopez. They got Isaiah Thomas. You go through the list of things they did get. I, I got to say that I'm impressed by what they did because they said they were going to do something. And they did what they said they were going to do. Even, you know, like I said, dating back to August, they did what yes. I expected them to do. Eric, I, I think two things that are key that I want to focus on, which you said was one, the flexibility and two, really achieving their goal. Like you said, they set out in August looking to receive a first rounder. They've achieved that. The goal was to create flexibility most definitely achieve that. I was looking at this trade right when it came out, you're like, Oh, you know, kind of shocked instantly. Like I think a lot of us around the NBA and those casual fans that are listening to dash radio is nothing but net is they're going Isaiah Thomas is on the move again. Just like what you said, you know, guy who's playing all-star level basketball was having a fantastic season leading the NBA in fourth quarter points, you know, up until his injury. And now he's in a, a cap piece and really like you say a plan C for this Lakers team. It's really amazing. The dynamics of this trade, because on one hand I see the Cavs who really benefit from this as well, but also the Lakers benefit tremendously because they can go down a handful of avenues to try to achieve the end result. Obviously they have plan a, which is like, you know, a cousins, uh, a Paul George, those types of players, but the flexibility there is tremendous. They have picks. They can they can pick up draft players. They can they can move those. I mean, I, I it's amazing. I, I I'm really uh, fascinated by it. I think it was a, a bang up job uh, by your guys' front office. And really, you know, what a major move by a new regime, right? Well, I mean, when Magic came in last year, he made a very good. This is before Rob Plinka got there. They basically told teams around the league that Lou Williams is available for 
a first round pick and we're going to trade him to the team that offers us the best first round pick. And we'll even take on salary for another year. So they took on Corey Brewer because they basically said, we're not going to spend in 2017. We'll wait till 2018. Right? So that was magic's approach. They executed that and got the best that they could. That's what got them the 28th pick. And that's where they did all the research to get Kyle Kuzma. And then at the last minute, they were able to get to 27, which really they, they weren't going to lose Kuzma. Kuzma is not going to go to the Nets at 27. So it was a little bit of insurance, but basically they picked him one pick earlier, but that 28th pick turned into Josh Hart, who's been really, really good for them. I mean, he, he's, he's very quickly emerged as a piece where they're thinking their core is Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Josh Hart as a big part of that. And so you take these young guys and you go into the summer where you have your eye on Julius Randle. Maybe they're not sure yet what they're going to do. They could keep Julius Randle. They could keep Isaiah Thomas. They could try to keep Brooke Lopez. They can keep this team together. Maybe over the next two months, this team lights it up. Maybe they don't make the playoffs because they're, the gap is too wide. But maybe this is a team that is maybe not a, a championship contender, but a really strong one. And you can even go into that summer and say, okay, Paul George, sign him up. If he comes, and if LeBron says no and Cousins is hurt, so maybe he's not on the list anymore. Now suddenly, maybe it's a Isaiah Thomas, Paul George thing, and maybe Isaiah Thomas is short-term, maybe Randall, et cetera. And maybe they start thinking about 2019 where – You've got a bunch of players like Clay Thompson and Kyrie Irving, uh, Kemba Walker. Uh, gosh, there's one more K in there. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So this they leave him alone. They have they have that flexibility, not just 2018. It doesn't all have to be a home run this summer. Obviously, everyone would love to hit their home run on their first, you know, at bat. But we don't know what they're going to do. But as you said they set themselves up where they can pivot in a lot of directions. They made up for the mistakes of the Jim bus, uh, Mitch Kupchak era of, of, uh, the Maz dang Maz Gavin dang. And this is where we're at. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned Josh Hart, um, going into the schedule here and, and, you know, really um, piggybacking on the fact that you're, you're saying, you know, what if this squad right now as it stands gets hot? Well, I think you guys are hot right now. I mean, you just had the loss to the Mavs, but really over the last 10 games, the, the, the Lakers are seven and a three. So they're going to be coming into target center this Thursday for really what is a huge night for a lot of Minnesota Timberwolves fans and really just some general fans of the NBA, which is it's an honoring and a remembrance of Flip Saunders. And we actually here on the Howell been running a promotion. We have this really cool last week on the show. We did a, a live, uh, we had an artist come in and she painted a, uh, a Timberwolf while we recorded the show. It's super cool. It's up for sale and all the proceeds are going to the Flip Saunders legacy fund. And, and the Lakers will be coming in and a lot of Wolves fans will get to see Josh Hart in person, who I think, you know, if you look at that draft between him and Kuzma, if you can take away, say, Donovan Mitchell, you'd be talking about Kuzma and Hart really being the, the two darlings of that draft. I mean, for my money, they still are, but they would really have that that limelight shared amongst themselves. And I think right there, another testament to the front office of the Lakers really, you know, washing away the previous regime in rather quick fashion. Yeah, it, I, I I knew Flip, but not especially well, but over the course of covering as long as I have, uh, and I do miss 
talking to him. I mean, he was someone who was always uh, very honest and very, uh, you know, just interesting. Talked about basketball, had a great perspective. Uh, as far as this game coming up, the, the Wolves are a tough matchup, I think, for the Lakers, specifically because they're a very veteran team for the most part, right? You, uh, you, you rely on Tyce Jones some, which I think is great. So there's some youth there. Uh, and Wiggins is young, but he's always been a problem for the Lakers. Uh, but guys like Tosh Gibson, and Jimmy Butler, these guys just murder the Lakers, especially Tosh Gibson. He's always murdered the Lakers. Uh, and without Larry Nance, that's even worse. So uh, I don't necessarily expect the Lakers to, to beat the Wolves. And I, I think there's going to be a transition. They're trying to figure out how do you incorporate a ball dominant scorer like uh, Isaiah Thomas, who can't really defend the way that they want because the Lakers have a very switching oriented defense. They switch almost everything. And if you're switching to a five foot nine, generously uh, point guard, he can't guard six foot six guys. Whereas what they've done before, what was really working. And this is where you bring in Josh Hart. You've got Josh Hart out there. You've got Brandon Ingram playing point guard. Right. And, and you, it's like KCP's in the mix. Uh, you've got Kuzma. They had Nance previously. You have Julius Randle, uh, very mobile lineup where everyone, and when you have Lonzo ball out there, everyone can switch. Everyone can guard almost every position. Obviously you don't want Lonzo guarding the center, but he's, he's shown that he could at least, uh, give some energy and try to bother someone who's got great height on him. Lopez doesn't fit into that switching defense as well. So they're going to have to figure out how it all fits together because they had something that was working really well under the circumstances, but this was never a team that was going to be a world beater. So you have to kind of give up something that was working to make these bigger steps, which is if they are successful with their free agent dreams, then they're doing a great job. If not, then they're just throwing monkey wrenches and dumping off young kids for no reason. Uh, but like, like you said, like they, they set a goal and they reached it and that's impressive. Who's to say that they're not going to reach their next goal. So that that's, really what we have to look forward to is just seeing if they succeed. Um, you know, you'd mentioned Todd Gibson. It's interesting. The wolves and Lakers really have met on the schedule in key moments in the season, going back to our Christmas day game, um, you know, in prime time there, the wolves walk away one twenty one, one Oh four victors. Taj Gibson had a monster game. And then even new year's day wolves come back another rather dominant fashion 114 96 jimmy butler had a big game and going to your point about trying to hide the defensive liabilities that isaiah thomas brings if you're a switching team and if all of a sudden you're going from guarding the point guard now you get switched off onto the two well r2 happens to be jimmy butler and if they switch you off onto our small forward um that's Andrew Wiggins so now we have a six eight on a on a five nine and and you have some matchup issues where prior to that you had tons of position flexibility it, regardless you know this is a transition period for for the team in a feeling out process so we got to take all these games really I think with the Lakers with a grain of salt going forward and it's all about the learning and the progress and, and seeing who really can be there with the core a lot of which is from a Timberwolves fan base, we're very familiar with because that's what we've been watching for the last couple of years, seeing who is really there in the end, who can stick around in the end. Um, I want to transition over to, um, you were just recently um, on NBA TV handling the trade deadline and some really, some really fine work that you did there. You want to talk about how much fun you had and, and how, you know, really the enjoyment of being on NBA TV from 
uh, from just your individual standpoint and professional standpoint? Oh, I mean, it's a blast. They, they run a really, uh, it's kind of a weird combination of tight and loose ship, right? So everything runs the way it's supposed to. Everything's in time. Everyone's where they're supposed to be, but it's really loose. You're not, they're not asking me to be somebody who's been doing TV. I didn't study to, to become a, a TV analyst or a, like, I'm not a broadcaster per se. I'm just a guy who's been covering the NBA for a period of time who I know my area of expertise. And so they, they really do a great job of letting you be who you are without the pressure of performance, without, I don't have to carry any show. There's a ton of people there that I'm working with. So really made it easy. Uh, you know, they put makeup on you. That's all a trip. I'm not, you know, used to all that. Certainly I did. I've, I've done certainly. Well, you look like a million done. bucks, Eric, when you're on there. <laughs> I've done you know, a handful of appearances or whatever over the course of the last year with NBA TV. So it's, it's not the novelty is kind of, it hasn't really worn off entirely, but uh, no, I, I've got, I get my, I make sure my hair's cut. I make sure I'm cleanly shaven. I've got a nice suit and tie. It's a lot of fun. And then you get to work like at the draft. I got to sit with Kenny, Kenny Smith at the desk. And it, I, I, my job was, I was like the side set. So they come to me for analysis, but then the draft is so long. They had a rotation where everyone would have a, a break so they can go to the restroom and get something to eat if they need to. So I got to sit next to Kenny Smith and just talk basketball for a little bit during the draft, which is like ridiculous. You know, it's, right. I'm a fan of the game. I'm a fan of, of that. I've been watching those shows forever. I remember when Kenny played and uh, I can't say that it wasn't definitely, I can't say it wasn't very cool. And from a fan perspective, I mean, it, it's pretty darn cool. <laughs> I no, can't, no, I can't I, complain. I, I can relate, Eric. Actually, one of my first assignments covering the Timberwolves back in the day, um, it was the Wolves had brought back this. They called it Dunks After Dark, and NBA TV had came down to Mankato, um, where our owner, um, Glenn Taylor, he's very notable in the area. Uh, the, the arena is named after him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so they had this. It started at midnight basically it was like an open scrimmage dunk contest throwing lobs all that sort of stuff well i was down there earlier getting set up uh, ready to cover the event and sitting there with uh, isaiah thomas and chatting with him for a good 10 15 minutes and pr- probably a lot like you you know just a basketball lover at heart it, it makes it super easy from guys you know you know isaiah thomas is obviously my elder but you know, because you have that mutual interest in basketball, conversation comes easy. It's fun stuff. Um, again, we're joined by Eric Pincus here with Hollywood Hoops. He has a featured show here on Nothing But Nets Dash Radio Channel. Um, Eric, before I let you go, just something fun here. I, I know you're big into your daughter's uh, team. You're actually coaching them, correct? Yes, sir. I, I, I see some uh, Twitter posts that you're drawing up some out of bounds, uh, some ATO plays here. Uh, you mind sharing some of those with Coach Thibodeau? Because apparently um, he's having a hard time, uh, one, inbounding the ball and getting getting a play that can get us a bucket at the end of the game. You got any tips? That's hysterical. You know, it's uh, obviously not for like a coach like Tibbs. I mean, seriously, but uh, at, at a youth level. All in good fun. At a youth level, a lot of coaches really put a lot of effort into stacking the players. Uh, and, you know, you stack up on like the, the free throw, not the free throw line, but the, the, the box where, where they stand, right. The box. Yep. And, and, and you call break and then they all run a pattern. I, I don't do that for whatever reason. I find that I just never had a problem 
with my girls, kind of giving them responsibilities and having them move around a little bit more instead of everyone. So, but we set up a little play. I, I diagrammed it. I didn't even diagram it. I just told each individual one what I wanted from them. We had like seven seconds left. I had a primary option that was that I wanted to have score and I wanted to, it to go one pass and then another pass to get to her but it, that original pass wasn't open and under seven seconds the guard who she drove drew uh, you know with gravity drew two defenders and threw it right to the person the primary she turned shot and hit it so so much fun it's great to see young ladies execute at the ages of nine ten and eleven it's extremely satisfying when they actually run what you want them to run as far as uh, Thibodeau First of all, I got to say one more thing about Tom. My, I brought my daughter to the game, uh, a Laker game against okay. the Wolves, actually one of the games. And she heard him screaming the whole game. She said, I would not want him to be my coach. <laughs> from the mouth of babes. She just didn't like all that yelling. She didn't want, I mean, because you can hear him at Staples Center. You just, you, he, his voice yeah, rises you can above everything else. Yeah, you can hear him. I mean, on the right on the TV broadcasts. I mean, you could probably hear him outside of the Staples yeah, or Target exactly. Center. But the guy's that, got a bark to him. That's for sure. Yes, but you know, secondly, the he he's been one of the best defensive-minded coaches of his era. Although the Wolves haven't been as good in recent years on on defense as I would have expected. So yeah, I, I think we're trying to figure that piece out right now. <laughs> but you know, this this team is this is this is the first time they have a credible roster that can compete in the West. I don't know if this is their year based on like the Warriors and the Rockets, but uh, they're among the best teams in the West. So I wish them well. You always want to see, I, I, I root for fan bases. I root for people I know. So hopefully uh, your Timberwolves will get some success this year. Thank you, Eric. And I think uh, what we should probably try and do is before the end of the season, get you back on. Let's look at, you know, the Timberwolves have some looming financial options that they're going to have to take in part. I mean, one, uh, you know, I guess one A is the extension of Jimmy Butler and what they're going to do with his contract. And we have some uh, dead contracts on the books currently. So I think at a later date, you know, maybe an offseason show, let's bring you back. Um, for those listening right now, make sure you follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Pincus and listen to his show here on Nothing But Net channel hollywood hoops airs every wednesday four pacific seven eastern check it out you can find us at dash radio.com nothing but net um eric thank you so much for joining us tonight and look forward to the game on thursday all right quarter two of the howl this is dash radio's nothing but net channel quarter two as always is our talkers segment and we'll start off this week like we normally do this is the howl hot takes so this week, as as usual, we have some really good hot takes, and I think you're going to appreciate this. Uh, one of them is at Tyus Jones Stan, Tyus underscore Jones underscore Stan, and please suspend Jeff Teague for the rest of the season for being so trash at NBA. Uh, this is from last week. Now, granted, this is you know the biggest Tyus Jones fan out there, but let's be reasonable. Jeff Teague is not trash. <laughs> he has some off games, but I mean that's that's just such a bad take. I, I get wanting to have Tyus Jones play more. I get wanting to have Teague play less, possibly. There's lots of reasons for these scenarios, but come on, he's not trash. That's that's just crazy to me. Um, 
Now, from here, we go into a hot take, sort of. Um, So at Cody Westerland, he says, Wizards guard Jody Meeks on the Bobby Portis flagrant two in which Thomas Sadoransky was hurt. If a guy has a clear lane to the basket, if you can't get there, let him go. Don't try to take him out. Obviously, not everybody abides by these rules. Bobby Portis' response, bruh, shut up. You sound foolish. Anybody watching the vid know I went for the ball. And this goes into our Howell Hot Topic for the week. We asked this question specifically about that, the Bobby Portis play. We said, it was the flagrant two the right call? And according to the poll, what we, the options were no, yes, seriously, the league is soft, hell yes. And uh, pretty resoundingly, seriously, league is soft was the winner. In my mind, this is not a flagrant two. I'm not even sure I would call it a flagrant one. He gets mostly ball. He's not, it's not malicious. If he's not going for the ball, the only thing he's doing is just not playing defense, and he's just going to let the guy score, which that doesn't make any sense either. So kind of a lose-lose in this scenario for Bobby Portis. Uh, but I just think if you're going to call the guy out, at least be honest with what happened, he clearly goes for the ball. There's no malicious intent there. So I, I just think that portion of it is a little foolish, but... Moving on, there's a funny video out there. So this is from at Castellani 2014. Chris Castellani, he says, I'm sick and tired of the Pistons, part one. And he goes on this just Pistons rant. And it's really funny. It's a video, so definitely watch it. It's not just it's not just a tweet with text. So definitely watch this video. It's pretty amusing. He even has to come on the next day, uh, and he actually apologizes for the video or maybe not apologizes but just goes on and, and kind of calls out people because apparently he was getting absolutely lambasted on twitter for this video a lot of people were, were not pleased to say the least all right moving on we have uh you know from slam this is from slam online and this is in regards to paul pierce who you know recently was honored uh, via the celtics game he was a better scorer than Larry Bird and John Havlicek. That's what Robert Parrish says. I'm sorry, but I don't even want to hear Paul Pierce's name in the same sentence as Larry Bird. Like, are we kidding here? And John Havlicek, man, the guy won championships. It's different, I, I, sure, but I'm sorry. I'm just not willing to hear it. Not willing to hear it. I, there's a good argument that he wasn't even the, the best player on the team that won the championship. That could easily have been said that was KG. So... I'm not a I'm not a fan of anything that compares you know current players generally to to the older style players. Eras are different. There's a lot of things to like slash dislike about different eras and the way people play. So I'm not I'm just not a fan of this. I just think this is a mistake. So Andrew D. Bailey points out the same thing. Bird's career: twenty four point three points, ten rebounds, six point three assists, one point three or sorry one point seven steals. Paul Pierce's career: nineteen point seven points. 5.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.3 steals. I mean, you can't even compare it. Can't even compare it. And then if you look at win shares per 48, um, you know, 20%, 0.203 for Bird, 0.157 for Pierce. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. I, I don't even know why we'd have this conversation. So props to Andrew, Andy Bailey for, for setting the record straight. So that's kind of uh, we got one left here that we'll end on. This is from um, Bleacher Report. They point out it's a quote from Isaiah Thomas. Low tops are perfect for me, and I got to support the best player to ever play. So I'm Team Kobe. 
I mean, I get it. You're on the Lakers now, but let's be reasonable. Kobe's not the best player to ever play the game. I mean, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I I can't. I'm a huge Kobe fan. You know, I get the Mamba mentality. I get liking that stuff. But to claim he's the best player to ever play the game, I no. I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous. There's a reason why the big argument these days is you know is LeBron James as good as Michael Jordan? It's it's not Kobe. I'm sorry, but it just isn't. So that's just one thing people need to realize. So moving on to the next topic for the the talker segment this week. Again, you're listening to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. This is the Howl. Quarter two is our talkers segment. So one thing that's been pretty polarizing topic this season has been Markel Fultz. And for anyone that's not aware of what's going on with Markel Fultz, the guy forgot how to shoot. I'm not even sure how that's possible. For someone... um, so speaking from my personal experience, you know, there's been times when I've had breaks from basketball and then you kind of get back into it. And when you get back into it, it, for me, it's like riding a bike. If you're, if you're good at shooting, if you've done it for a long time, if you put in the time, you've put in the work, like I said, it's just like riding a bike. It's muscle memory. You, you pick it up right away. I mean, you know, maybe you have to, you know, get up a few shots here and there, but I mean, we're talking now, this is February, and he is still can't shoot. And if you watch, it's it's bad. I mean, it's it's beyond frustrating if you're a Sixers fan, I'm sure, or if you're a Sixers player or coach. And what brought us onto this topic is um, and it, just an amazing article, Kyle Newbeck. So it's at Kyle Newbeck, and that's uh, K Y L E N E U B E C K. He spent six months talking to Sixers staffers, the people who diagnosed him and those close to him. I learned of contradictions and secrecy, VR training, fingers pointed in every direction. And this goes over all the different things regarding Markel Fultz and his lack there of a jump shot at this stage. One thing to, if you haven't seen it, definitely search out the videos. And he does actually have most of the like in practice clips of Markel Fultz, I guess the best way to put it would be trying to shoot because it's, it's ugly at best. So this is definitely a good look into whether it's, you know, what he did on his own because he worked with a uh, kind of a trainer slash family friend uh, throughout his career, um, you know, prior to the pros. And one of the big, big things would be if you look at summer league for the Sixers, and then there's that two month gap and he comes into, you know, preseason and actual games and his shots completely different. Now the Sixers blame Fultz and Williams, the, you know, as, as the reason. And like Williams points out, why would we have him change his shot when he was as good as he was in college? I think that's a valid point. What would be the benefit there to Fultz or to his trainer? I mean, that it just doesn't make any sense. That's what's so odd about the whole thing. Like, why would anyone make the change? But then on top of that, so let's let's just say for argument's sake that he did make the change. And let's say Fulton, his trainer, were like, look, I'm struggling from free, the free throw line. Because, you know, as a player in college, he did struggle from the free throw line, shooting around 65%. I mean, that's just not good, especially for a guard and a guy that can shoot the basketball. So let's just say for argument's sake, they did make the decision to alter the shot a little bit, even though, again, I don't I don't know that that makes a lot of sense. But let's say they did do that. If you take that and then you extrapolate it into the season, how have the Sixers not been able to fix this? They made it seem like, oh, well, you know, we're going to work with him. We're going to get this thing figured out. Well, 
okay, now we're months and months down the road and it's still the same problem. So that takes us into the next topic of this arg- this article, which is maybe he's hurt. Maybe he has a shoulder issue. There have been talks about that. The Sixers came out at one point, said there was some issues there, and that's part of the reason why there were mechanic issues. But now we're talking February. Sixers have come out and said he's not hurt anymore. It, there's definitely some issues as to what the injury actually was, whether that's you know splitting hairs and they're just calling the injury wrong or using the improper diagnosis. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor, but that's, there's just a lot of questions. And this article does a pretty good job just laying everything out. I don't think you, you definitely, I don't think you necessarily come up with a great, I guess, answer or conclusion, but at least it gives you kind of some backstory as to how we get here. And it gives you a really good look into just a really strange situation. Moving on, for anyone that you know isn't aware of these things, um, and we touched base on this um, a little bit earlier in the show, but the LeVar Ball whole thing is just every week it's a new ridiculous story after a new ridiculous story. The newest one, uh, we found this on at Urbodo, Donatus Urbonus. LeVar Ball and his big plan of how he's going to bring Lonzo, Melo, and Jello to one NBA team. Lonzo will be in his third year. And I want to let every NBA team know that Lonzo is not going to re-sign with the Lakers, but will go to any team that will take all of my three boys. So basically what he's going to do, it's almost like holding a team ransom. He's saying, look, you want to keep you know, Lonzo Ball? Well, then you got to bring my other two players over. Now, for anyone that ha- that's watched what those guys have done, where, you know, where they're playing now in kind of a secondary pro league, I mean, I'm not going to lie. They both look pretty good. But again, they're playing, you know, such a weak competition. What impresses me would be uh, LaMelo Ball, because obviously at such a young age, he's showing off some skills. He's playing with guys that are definitely older than him. uh, And he looks the part. I mean, you definitely see some flashes that he could be really good. I'm not totally sold on LiAngelo, and I know a lot of people aren't. And there's that's part of the reason why. I mean, you know, they took him out of college. I mean, obviously, there's the issues with the, you know, with the theft and everything like that. But I just think there's also issues where maybe he just wasn't ready to go. I don't know that he's this ready-made prospect at this stage. So let me dive into, let's give you the exact quote um, that Lonzo Ball has on here to kind of end this topic out. I want all my three boys to play for the Lakers, but if that does not happen, I'm telling you the story, what's going to happen first. If they don't take Jello this year, I bring back Jello here to play with Melo for two years. Lonzo will be on his third year and I want to let every NBA team know that Lonzo is going to re-sign with the Lakers, but will go to any team that will take all of my three boys. That's my plan. So he's not going to re-sign with the Lakers is what he's basically saying if they won't take them all. He goes on, Lonzo plays best when he's with his brother. Why wouldn't? He's hell of a shooter. They don't play the same position. You see how successful he was when he was with his brother? Why wouldn't you be smart and say, so you want your brother? Come on, let's complete the Royal Flush and get the other brother which I, I find that that a fascinating line. <laughs> Pretty funny. He goes on, we don't have to go any draft. Just sign him in a free agency. You don't have to give Jello $15 million. Give him a million for three years. We'll take it because they make so much money off the court. They lose, they lose spare change. So it's, you know, he's not, it's, it's a little tough, a tough read as far as uh, the language is concerned here. Um, so now you win championship after championship on the fact that my boys will never leave. That's what I mean. Championship, championship, championship. 
You got to keep the team together for a long time, but you can't because more money is offered. That's why guys jump in between the teams. But what's better than three ball boys together? So it's, uh, he's, oh, then he ends it the big three, the original big three, which obviously not the, they're obviously not the original, but that's, uh, that's a whole nother issue. Again, splitting hairs. So anyways, it's worth a, it's worth, it's just a funny read more than anything else. I think the whole thing's kind of ridiculous. Um, moving on for anyone that paid attention to the big three last year. Um, that's obviously going to be coming up again this off season. For anyone that's not aware of what it is, it's basically a uh, a league for you know retired NBA players. You know, Allen Iverson was in it, Chauncey Billups, just to name some names. Um, Rashad McCants, if you're looking for a Wolves tie, so there's definitely some some fun names to watch. It's a pretty cool sport the way they're doing it. But Greg Oden was just added to the Big Three draft pool, so that's going to be interesting to see uh, kind of what he has left in the tank. Obviously, in his case, it's not a you know it's not a oh I played too much kind of thing. It's just his body, you know, couldn't maintain uh, playing at the NBA level. So that could be fun to watch just to see uh, what else he can do for us in the big three uh in the big three league this coming season now uh one thing i want to point out to people we mentioned this a little bit in the in the howl hot takes a lot of wolves fans are super anti jeff teague and my only problem with this now there were some people that at the time we got jeff teague were were not on board and i got that for me i was a big rubio guy and rubio was who i was hoping would get the shot you know to kind of close this thing out to bring it home um, but obviously he didn't get that chance. So you bring on Jeff Teague. And at the time I, I kind of said to myself, I get why he's doing this. You want a consistent offensive threat, but man, if you went through wolves, Twitter, you would think Jeff Teague was the worst basketball player of all time. And it's, that's absolutely ridiculous. And what I find it fascinating is now I actually posted this via my Twitter. So I'm at the sports min M I N N. And Jeff Teague is, to quote Denny Green, you know, he is who we thought he was. He's the exact same player he has been his entire career. Uh, and there's no other way to look at it. So just going over the stats. So he's so this season, just to go over a few, he's shooting 36 percent from three. That's actually uh, one of his highest career marks on, uh, for any season. Uh, his career is 35 percent. So he's right around there. Um you know, 45% uh, from two pointers, which career 47, but you're still right around there. Effective field goal percentage, um, 48.9% for his career, 48.2 on the season. You know, he's, he's slightly down in free throws, 84% to 80%, but you're kind of getting what I'm saying here. Um, his career average is a 5.6 assists. He's at seven this season, and he's actually had three other seasons where he's averaged over seven assists. So bottom line, people need to really just calm down on the, the, you know, the Jeff Teague is trash or Jeff Teague is a terrible basketball player. Uh, you know, one of the other things that's, that's kind of funny to me is people have been talking about how Jeff Teague is this like ball stopper and he dribbles around too much and he does this and that. Well, I got to be honest, uh, that doesn't back up either. If you look at his touch statistics, which these are widely available on NBA.com's stats page, 
Look at average seconds per touch throughout his career. So with Atlanta, you know, five seconds, uh, 4.9 seconds, 4.81 seconds. With with Indiana last year, 5.46 seconds, uh, 5.5 seconds this year with the Wolves. Not a big difference. Average dribbles per touch, he's actually down from last year. 5.21 average dribbles per touch, 5.41 the year before. Um, Again, he's in the high fours or low fives previously in his career. So the... You're getting the exact same player you thought you would. So unless you were super angry when we picked up Jeff Teague, you don't get to be angry now. Either that or just you got to pay attention to the statistics because you just he's he's exactly who he thought he was. So I, I think that just people are being a little too hard on him. And obviously part of that is obviously the Tyus Jones love. And again, I get that. I'm a huge Tyus Jones fan and I hope he does really well. And I hope Jeff Teague figures it out because as other people have talked about, Jeff Teague is not going anywhere. And, th- and again, he's, he is who we thought he was. So moving on, uh, one thing I want to talk about, we just, um, we're going to get now into the, the trade deadline that just passed. A couple things to mention. So Shabazz Muhammad, obviously still a wolf. They were not able to find any takers. The problem I have with this uh, is not the trade portion of it, but if you're not going to trade Shabazz, I just think what you need to do is you have to cut him. I think he deserves a shot to be picked up by another team. Now, the only caveat there is if there's no other team out there that that thinks they're going to give him minutes, to me, if you're Shabazz, you should just stay. I don't know that there's a, a benefit to go into a new system, to a new franchise necessarily, if you're not going to get the minutes. So I think if you'd really want to be, if you're really going to seek this buyout, which he, which he clearly is, and he wants to go somewhere that he can get minutes, I think you got to find, make sure there's someone out there that's, that's actually going to do those minutes. So I really hope that his agent has done the due diligence on this one, because if not, and we cut him and he just doesn't have that opportunity elsewhere, it just, I feel like it, it somehow can actually drop his stock even further than it already has. I mean, we've come a long way from, you know, last season where he's offered that four year, 40 million contract. I mean, here we are and it's just not going well for Boz. So, uh, to move on to the, uh, some would call it the elephant in the room, Derek Rose. Um, obviously he, uh, made it through waivers and reports now are that it looks like if anything's going to happen with Derek Rose, it's going to happen after the all-star break when practices, things like that can kind of, uh, start up again. I do think the wolves are going to make him an offer. I'm not going to say that I agree necessarily or disagree. I do think it's a low risk move. Now, the same reasons people are mad at Jeff Teague. What do you think they're going to be about Derek Rose? If Derek Rose is going to be taking any of Teague's minutes or sorry, any of Tyus's minutes, let alone, all the minutes i think that's it's going to be polarizing i mean derrick rose for for good reason is a very polarizing figure uh and if they were to bring him on i wouldn't want to be derrick rose the first home game because you got to figure there's going to be some boos i mean a lot of people have issues with him and i mean rightfully so i he's not the same player he used to be there's obviously some off the court stuff that he's been involved in so there's reasons to have pause about bringing him in here I guess time will tell, but coming next week after the all-star weekend is over, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Wolves make that move. I feel like we've already touched base enough on the, the Cavs trade with the Lakers. Uh, we'll just mention it one more time. So Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and their 2018 first round pick to the Lakers. Cleveland gets Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson. So 
overall, we, we, I think we touched about on that enough with, with Eric Pincus in the first quarter. Moving on, um, another deal that I think is pretty solid and interesting would be uh, it's the three-team trade between the Kings, the Jazz, and Cleveland. Cleveland gets Rodney Hood and George Hill. The Jazz get Derrick Rose, who they've since gotten rid of. They've waived. Uh, they get Jay Crowder. And then Sacramento gets Joe Johnson, who they've uh, since gotten rid of is going and is going to the Rockets. And they also got Iman Shumpert. So it's an interesting trade. I, I, you know, I think whether you're the Jazz or Cleveland, I think that's where you kind of make out best. Uh, I'm a big Rodney Hood fan. I, I really like George Hill. He would have been another guy I think the Wolves would have looked at a little more strongly had he wanted to be here last summer. But, you know, he was one of those guys that just didn't want to play for Thibs. Uh, again, I, I like Cleveland here. Um, I also, I'm a, I'm a Jay Crowder fan as far as defense goes. So I get why the, the Jazz do it. Um, and the Kings, I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand why they do pretty much anything at this stage. Um, I think the league and specifically Dwayne Wade really appreciates what Cleveland did for him, sending him to Miami. And all Cleveland gets back is, uh, you know, a conditional, a, a very, very restricted conditional second round pick, which most likely won't even go that way. It's basically just, you know, we're going a different direction and they want to get Dwayne Wade um, a chance to keep playing and, and go back to Miami where he's obviously loved for all his time there. The trade, uh, I think that was a steal. The Magic get a second round pick and give up Alfred Payton. I'm, a, I'm an Alfred Payton fan, not a big fan of his hair, but that's a whole other thing. And he goes, so Alfred Payton goes to the Suns. I love that pickup. For a team that's, you know, obviously rebuilding, they struggle at times, I'm a fan. I think that's a, a good low-risk move. Moving on, we'll go over a couple more here. Um, the, Knick, the Knicks get uh, Emmanuel Moutier, which a, a guy that just maybe needed to change the scenery, and they also get a second-round pick. Denver gets Devin Harris and a, a 2018 second-round pick. Dallas gets Doug McDermott. Not totally sure why Denver does this. Other than maybe, you know, with Devin Harris, they like maybe that veteran presence. Obviously, they're a pretty young team. But overall, I think I definitely like it more so for the Mavs and for the Knicks than I do for the Nuggets. And uh, a couple more here, like we talked about, um, just low-key moves. Memphis Grizzlies, they get Bryce Johnson and a second-round pick for James Ennis. And Jameer Nelson... He goes to Detroit with a second-round pick. Second-round pick goes to the Bulls. The Bulls get Willie Reed. So that's kind of all we're at. I guess if you want to go over a Minnesota Ties trade, uh, Rashad Vaughn goes to the Pelicans, and the Nets get Dante Cunningham. It's a pretty blah move, uh, but I think Rashad Vaughn is still young enough where he definitely has a chance to be something. Obviously, we liked him here in Minnesota. He's a Minnesota guy. Uh, Dante Cunningham specifically when he was with the Wolves, I was a big fan. And I think he was a guy that we definitely targeted in the offseason. And he just, you know, he chose the Pelicans over us, which it is what it is. So here we are. Um, and that's where we're at with the trade deadline. What we're going to do to end this second quarter here is just go over a quick look at the CBS Sports uh, power rankings. Uh, every team's expectations after the trade deadline. And just real quick, we're going to touch on this on the top teams. Houston's number one. Raptors number two, Warriors number three. Not a lot of surprises there. Um, the Jazz, they list as fourth. Uh, I guess that that would be uh, pretty surprising if you ask me. Now, granted, I don't think this is necessarily, you know, who's going to win down the road, although a lot of these teams are good. Um, it's just, you know, 
a lot of this is obviously who's improved and kind of where they stand at this stage. The Timberwolves uh, specifically are 10th, and they say the Wolves shopped Shabazz Muhammad around a bit, but no deals were made. There are rumors they might pick up Derrick Rose off waivers, but they shouldn't do that, which, you know, again, he's very polarizing, so it's tough to say what you want to do there. There are better places to find depth is what they say. So just to go over some of the other uh, big names, you know, Pacers at five, Blazers at six, Celtics at seven, Nuggets at eight, Wizards at nine. Um, Scrolling down the list, not a lot of huge surprises necessarily. Uh, It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens the second half of the season. Once again, this was our second quarter talker segment. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is The Howl. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.